Come on, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. He upholds all things by the power of His Word. He sent His Word and healed them all. He's exalted His Word even above His name. So we don't spend enough time in the Word of God. So I'm not going to skimp on it on a Sunday morning. Is that okay? Fantastic. Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. In the second year of Darius, in the, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the Word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And he said, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says the time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then The word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet again saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your panelled houses while this temple lie as a ruin? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Turn to someone, say, consider your ways. Okay. Number six, verse six, you've sown much, you bring in just a little bit. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns a salary earns it to put in a bag with holes in it. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Turn to someone and say, consider your ways. Okay. Go up the mountain. Go up. Stop this downward spiral in your life. Stop staying in a plateau. Stop being stagnant. Is this okay? Stop just being the same old, same old. God has called your life to go onwards and upwards, not downwards and backwards. So let's go up. Look at someone and say, go up. Look at another nine people and say, go up. You sound like a bunch of seagulls. Go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up, go up. Go up. I love the fact that the Christian life is an upward life. If you're not experiencing the upward life, I've got good news for you today. God is an upward God. Get with God and we go up. We go up. If you're experiencing a downward part of your life, take some comfort now. It is temporary. It's temporary. It's not going to last. It's not going to last. Thank you. Whoever that was, thank you. It's, It's an upward life. Now, there are times when your life does this sort of thing, but the general curve of the graph is upwards. Hello. Oh, but Pastor Jay, I'm experiencing some hardship. Good, it'll make something out of you. It'll do something on the inside of you. It'll get some grit going. It'll, it'll, it'll stir up the spirit of faith. The Bible says, when you face all kinds of trials and tests, rejoice. For you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Now, let me just explain that a little bit and we'll get back to where I'm going. It does not say the testing of you develops faith. There is only one way faith comes and that's by hearing the Word of God straight from the the Word or from the... uh, You hear it in your heart. 
whether it's in prayer or from the written Word of God, you receive from God on the inside, that is the only way faith is developed. Faith is not developed because you go through a test and a trial. Going through a test and a trial will show you what faith you got. Hello. If there's none there, the test and trial is going to kill you. This is good news this morning. Okay? This is good news. Why can you get uh, two people go through exactly the same thing? One comes out as a champion, one comes out defeated. It, it, it is... It isn't up to God. It's not God saying, well, I'll bless this one and I won't bless that one. I'll encourage this one, but I won't encourage that one. No, it is determined by what we built on the inside. A wise man builds his house upon a rock. And when the wind and the waves come, that man is immovable. But the unwise man, the foolish man builds his house on a sand. The storm didn't choose what it did. The waves didn't choose what happened to the life. It was determined by what you build your life upon. Amen. Okay, that's a little nugget. We won't go in there, but that's so important. Go up the mountains, bring wood, get hold of something strong from God, bring wood, come back down and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. You've looked for much, indeed it came to little. When you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts, because my house is in ruins. Whilst every one of you runs to his own house, Therefore, the heavens above you withhold their dew, the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the lands and on the mountains, on the grain, the new wine and the oil. And whatever the ground brings forth on on the livestock, on men, on all the labour of your hands. Now, can I just say, this is Old Testament under the law. This is clear here. This is under the law. Under the law. If you did what was right, you got the blessing. If you didn't do what was right, you laboured under the curse. it's, It's just law. Thank God Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having been made a curse for us, for it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree, that the blessing of Abraham might be uh, given to all the seed. What does that basically say? We're not under the law. We're not under the curse. We don't have to get it right to be blessed. We are already blessed because of what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. So we're not trying to earn, we're not trying to earn a victory here. We're not trying to earn the blessing here. We want to have the wisdom of God and be led by the Spirit to walk in the victory and to walk in the blessing that we already have inherited. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Okay. So, then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him. And, and the people began to fear the presence of the Lord, which we covered last week, the, the whole thing of the presence of the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's um, messenger, the prophet, spoke the, um, God's word to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, the governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the high priest, and and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they all came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the uh, sixth month in the second year of King Darius. In the seventh month, just a few weeks later, on the 21st 
day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, speak now to Zerubbabel and to Joshua and to all the people saying, verse three, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? And how do you see it now in comparison with what it was supposed to be like or what it has been like? Is this not in your eyes absolutely nothing? Yet now be strong, Zerubbabel, says the Lord. Be strong, Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And be strong, all you people of the land, says the Lord. And work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts. He says it again. I'm with you. Look at someone say, God's with me. Okay, it's important to know that. When God says something once, He only said, let there be light once. Changed everything. One word. But when God repeats Himself, we need to take note. There are times Jesus said, again, I say unto you. And He was saying, guys, are you getting this? Are you getting this? This is of the utmost importance. There's only one verse in the Bible four times, and that is the just shall live by faith. It's the only verse in the whole Bible there, you know, four times. A couple are there three times. A lot are there twice because people quote it, but nearly everything is just once. But when God repeats Himself, it's because He's making a point. And the point He wanted to make to these people is, I am with you. The most life-changing understanding we can ever have is God is with me. Now we can take that one step further. God is in me. We can also say God is upon me. He is Emmanuel to me. God with us. I'm with God. We heard earlier, nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing you've done, past, present or future is going to separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because God has made His home in us. This is not a religion, guys. This is a relationship. This is not a religion, a a person trying to get to God because they pray a certain amount of times a day or they do this or they wear certain clothes or they eat a certain food or whatever. This is not about us trying to impress God or get to God or try to get God's favour or try to get God's attention. No, dear God, God has moved. God has made His home amongst us. God has poured His Spirit into us. He's breathed the breath of life into us. It's no longer I who live, but Christ. Christ who lives in me and the life we now live, we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave Himself for us. This is God and man together as it was in the person of Jesus Christ, all the fullness of the Godhead dwelt in a bodily form. So it is for the believer. God has moved and made His home in the heart of mankind. Awesome. I am with you. So take heart, whatever you're going through today, God's with you. If you're in the valley, God's in the valley with you. If you're on a plateau, God's in the plateau with you. If you're facing challenges, God's facing. In fact, He's fighting the battle for you. God is with you. So cast aside the fear, cast aside the worry and the anxiety, cast it aside, take captive every thought because God is with you. And if God is for me, No one can succeed as my enemy. No one can be against me because God is on my side. In Jesus' name. Oh, wow. I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the word I covenanted 
to you. I promised you this. When you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remains among you. Do not fear. Look at someone say, do not fear. Okay. For thus says the Lord of hosts, once more, it is just a little while. I will shake heaven and earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. They shall come to the desire of all nations and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the glory of the former temple, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give shalom. Nothing missing, nothing broken, abundance in every area, wholeness in every part of your life, wholeness, spirit, soul, body, finances, socially, relationally, wholeness in your future wholeness that's our inheritance church get excited about it wholeness what can I look forward to Pastor Jay wholeness what can I expect coming down the road abundance (laughs) says the Lord of hosts incredible passage of scripture one of my favourites in the Bible There is a tremendous work to do before Jesus comes back. When's he coming back? No idea. I know what I believe doctrinally. I know what I'm expecting. But if you you read the Bible, if you read the New Testament, they were expecting Jesus back in their lifetime, 2000 years ago, and he's still not come. Now he's not late. (laughs) He's not like most of the Pentecostal church. Just saying. (laughs) Just saying. (laughs) It's going to be one of those days. He's not late. He knows what he's doing. There is a plan for this world. Not going to get into that today. But suffice to say, there is a tremendous amount of work to be done. There's a tremendous amount of work for the church to do. A tremendous amount. I mean, it's, it's, it's in some ways unprecedented and yet we have the greatest opportunity today. We have satellite. We have smartphones. Now they can be a blessing or a curse. Make sure you decide which one they're going to be for your life. Choice. A person can go from here to there in a few hours, whereas it, in the time of the Bible, would take months. So we have a phenomenal opportunity to do the work of the kingdom of God. The Bible says his kingdom is forcefully advancing from the days of John the Baptist until the time he was speaking until now and it's carried on. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Well, and that's not talking about bearing arms and all the rest of it. That's just saying about a stirred up people a people passionate about the job there is before us. Why? Because we are here for purpose. We are here for purpose. We're not just here, you know, casually. If I, if I ever get my head around eternity, it's sort of, it's quite a scary concept, really. Eternity. I don't know if you ever, you know, see these programs about space. If you see the photographs and the images, the Hubble telescope has brought back fascinating stuff. And then you find out there's another universe. And then you find out there's another, another solar system. I don't know how many solar systems are. Millions and 
tr- I don't know, trillions of stars. A lot of them have, have you know, the planets revolving around them. They're just solar systems. If you ever see just a little bit, we're a part of. I, lo- I love all this. Don't get me started. All right then, you insist. Um, <laughs> you see the Milky Way and you see the spiral galaxy. It's incredible. God spoke all that into being. And they tell us it's, it's expanding still. That it began there and it's that. Isn't it incredible that in the Old Testament, without any understanding of these things, they said God stretched out the heavens. Stretched out. Oh, well, you see, the universe is growing because God stretched it. But God did all this by His spoken word. God has got an incredible plan. And here we are, a little pinprick. Not even that in the midst of all of creation. It's absolutely fascinating. Your head just can't take it. And we are here for purpose. That every life is significant. That every person was died for the Son of God who created all things for in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word created all things. Nothing was made unless it came from the Word and that Word came 2,000 years ago in a human body and died on the cross and lived a life interested in you and if this whole solar system at the moment where we are is a pinprick, how big are you in that? It's just fascinating. And yet God has a plan for each and every person. And each and every person has a purpose. That's why we're passionate about this in this church, that we know God, find freedom, discover purpose in order to make a difference. This is who we are. Everyone has a purpose. And our purpose is to advance the kingdom of God. That's our purpose. Oh no, my purpose, Pastor Jay is a school teacher. Yeah, to advance the kingdom of God as a school teacher. Ah, but my purpose is is to create wealth. Yeah, to, to advance the kingdom of God by creating wealth. Yeah, but my purpose is to just be a good dad. Yeah, to advance the kingdom of God by being a good dad. You see, everything, everything has to be identified back to the root purpose, which is advance the kingdom of God. Everything. Yeah, but Pastor Jay, I'm a musician. Yeah, you're called to advance the kingdom of God as a musician. Well, I'm an office worker in the council. Yeah, you're called to advance the kingdom of God as an office worker in the council. Does this, everything finds its place in the purpose which is advancing the kingdom of God. We could say to build the temple, build the church. Oh, then you said advance the kingdom of God. Yeah, how do we do that? By building the church. The church is central to creation because it's where God lives. So everything comes back to building the local church. Back 20, 30 years ago when the church wasn't doing fantastically well, let's say 40 years ago over here, all of a sudden you had all these things grow out of the church, parachurch this and parachurch that and this ministry and that ministry and this thing and that thing because it wasn't church centred. But now those days are long gone. 
Hello? It's not all about Julian Melfi Ministries. <laughs> Being blunt, it's about the city of God on a hill in a community, which is the church of Jesus Christ. Us all working together. Us all pulling together as a body, a bride, a family, an army, a temple, doing the work of the kingdom, loving people, serving people, shining as a light in the midst of a crooked generation, doing all this stuff, lifting up the name of Jesus Christ in a community. At the end of the day, guys, it's not about you and it's certainly not about me. It's about Jesus and where's He living? He's everywhere, but He's presenced in His church. It's about building the church. This is what's really clicked into gear in probably the last 20 years of, of the kingdom of God over here in the West. And it's, it's, it's really important that we understand this, that it's all about the local church. There is a tremendous work to be done before Jesus returns. Why? Because there's a tremendous amount of people that don't yet know the saving power and love of Jesus Christ. They don't know it. Where are they going to find it? Through the life of a believer. Where are they going to grow and be discipled? In a church. Vitally important. But there are two things that we need, <coughs> excuse me, in this whole context of this tremendous work that needs to be done. Two things. Number one, the Bible says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the spirit of Joshua and the spirit of all the people. He stirred up, everybody say stirred up. Yeah. Now that was said like we're in a flower arranging club. <laughs> stirred up, mm, stirred up, stirred up, <laughs> stirred up, stirred up. Stir up. Stir up. Words are carriers. Words are carriers of spirit truth, spirit life. Words are carriers of emotion. It's like when you speak to somebody, oh, I'm so happy. You think, really? Really? You may say it, but I ain't hearing it. I'm not feeling that, you know? <laughs> Oh, Pastor Jay, I'm just really believing God. Really? Really? What you say, what's coming out of the mouth doesn't match up with what, what you say you got. Stirred up. Someone's getting this. Stirred up. Okay. See, that's good. It's done something. It's done something. We laugh, but it's done something. You need to say that in the mirror to yourself in the morning or whenever you need to say it. Stirred up. Stirred up. Stirred up. Stirred up. This is vitally important. God stirred up the spirit. He said, come on, guys, stir it up. Stir it up. In fact, he didn't tell them to, he did it. Something's changed. I went to bed last night and I was casual and I got up today and it's as if there's an engine 
going off on the inside of me. Something's changed in my life. I'm seeing life in a different way. I'm thinking about things from a different viewpoint. I'm seeing things. I'm, I'm, I'm attacking situations instead of just, you know, cowering away. Something's stirred up on the inside of my life. I'm stirred up. That's what happened back then. After the command to go up, God stirred up. You're never going to reach your mountain. You're never going to go up the mountain if you're not stirred up. Because mountain climbing takes energy and passion. We had somebody here the other year, Rose somebody. Can you remember the surname? Rose Parker? No, no, Rose, Rose somebody. Something Smith. Wasn't it a hyphenated job, wasn't it? Um, Rose somebody and she had climbed, no, she'd gone around the world. She'd walked around the world on her own. I mean, the most incredible thing. Got attacked by wolves in her tent. She faced them down. A just in- incredible thing. Then we had somebody else here who had climbed the seven peaks, seven highest mountains, and she gave the story about going up Everest. Incredible stories, incredible stories. And she, and she was up there and can hardly breathe because of the thin air. You've got to know you're, you've got a purpose and you've got something to fulfil when everything in you tells you to give up and get down the mountain. Give up. Just don't do this anymore. It's too painful. Don't do this too much anymore. It's too costly. Don't do this anymore because it's taking up too much of your time. Don't do this anymore because it, it's, it's upsetting. What does the word to stir up mean? Well, from the dictionary, it means to rouse from inactivity. It means to rouse from contentment. Wow. Now, we love being content, but that can also be the worst position to be in because you stop going for something new. It means to rouse yourself from being quiet. There are times to speak out. As you look back through history, and I don't mean hundreds of years ago, even in our generation and the one before, some people have said enough's enough. I'm standing up. I've got to say something. This is stirring me on the inside. Rosa Parks, enough's enough. She got stirred up on the inside. Go back a few hundred years and you, and you find people and the abolition of the slave trade. You find, you find people who got stirred up about something. Stirred up. Saying there's something more to life than just what I'm doing. I'm building my own house. I'm doing my own job. I've got a great family, love my kids, but there's got to be more to life than this. King David went with the cheese and the bread down to the, you know, and he got stirred up because there was one fat, ugly, nine foot giant coming out and abusing the people of God and taunting them and joking. And they were all content to sit under a tree and listen to it. Perhaps there are people in this room and you're content to hear the voice of your enemy that says you're a loser, that you can't do anything, that you're not a success, that you can't achieve. Don't you dare step out because you know you're going to fail. What are you accepting in your life? What giant is speaking to you?
And all the army were sitting there going, oh yeah, whatever you say, Goliath, whatever you tell me, whatever you want to say, bring it on. I'll absorb it all. (laughs) One little kid came and it confronted something on the inside of him and it stirred him up. And he said, there is a cause. He said, is there not a cause? Basically, he's saying there's a purpose. We're not called to be insignificant. We're not called to sit contentedly. We're not caused to be uh, whatever else it was. Raz as inactive. This is stirring on the inside. It means to rouse yourself out of indifference. It means this, to be emotionally moved. To be strongly affected. To be provoked. And I love this one. That's why I put it last. To be disturbed. To be disturbed. What gets you stirred up? What stirs you? The cost of living? The price of bread? The most stirred up I've been emotionally recently is because I had to pay £1.25 for it. I can't believe that they put it up five pence. (laughs) Stirred me up. I can't believe they put a yellow line outside my house. Flipping egg. (laughs) What stirs you up? What stirs you up in this generation? What about some politics? You shout at the TV and throw your slipper at it. (laughs) When that woman comes on or that man comes on or that program comes on, (laughs) whatever. What stirs you up? Sport? Now, as you know, I'm not a sport fan. but I'm very patriotic. So when there's anything from Great Britain, man, I'm there. I've got my Union Jack undies on. (laughs) Man, got my little flag. The first football match I ever watched, ever in my life. I used to play football. I was the captain of the team when I was 12. Um, And then I went to secondary school and it was a rugby school. And I played rugby, and as I do everything, I threw my whole self in, I broke my wrist, I pulled my whole self out. <laughs> that, was, that was just it. In, out, in, out. That was it. But the first football match I ever saw, it just doesn't, you know, it just doesn't do it for me. I'm sorry, people kicking a little bit of leather around a field and whatever else. And they get all, it's all excited and da 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 until... First match I ever watched was in this hall. We put on the World Cup and it was England-Argentina. And it was apparently the match. When was that, 98? Was it later than that? Oh, sorry, 2000 and something, because it was here, wasn't it? Yeah, 2098, 2002, 2006. Was it that one? Anyway, it was the match. And there was the... 
the free kick from the 25 year, I don't know, I can't remember. All I know was I was stirred up. Man, I was sitting here, a guy called Calvin was sitting next to me and I don't know what came over me. Seriously, I have never experienced this before in my life. Something, I was up, I threw a chair. He started running, I started running. He was like, dear God, we're doing this. We're gonna, we're gonna win, Gary, we're gonna win. We're gonna win, we're gonna do this thing. It's amazing, this is gonna happen. Come on, Beckham! And we lost. And I thought, I'm never watching this again. You get built up and you get deflated. Dear God, what's that about? I don't know what happened, something happened. I get stirred up when I go to concerts. Uh, who is it, Tom, Chris, me, my other son. Michael went to Muse. Come on. I go to a lot of concerts, it's the way I just enjoy myself. And, uh, and um, man, we were down the front. Oh, we, we were like this far, well, probably this far. And all the, all the kids are there. I thought, ah, I'll show them how to do this. <laughs> Dear God, I may be the oldest one in the room, but I don't care. I may be bald, but I'm happy. <laughs> and when they kicked off Plug In Baby, it's like boom, boom, boom. I was giant. I get stirred up. I can't believe some people sitting there back in the seats going. I just don't get that. But what stirs you up? What stirs you up? What gets you emotionally charged? See, I know we're having some, a lot of fun here today, but what actually stirs you? What actually charges you on the inside? Injustice. Does that stir you up? What about people coming to Christ? We had some incredible prayer meetings here in uh, January and people came to well, man, you get so stirred up because we're praying for people to come to Christ. It's the most awesome thing you can ever get stirred up about, about the glory of God being revealed in the church, about a, a church turning the world upside down and being more than just a religious outfit contained in four walls. I get passionate about seeing people come to Christ. People go, oh, that's a wonderful service. If there's no responses, if people don't come to Christ, you gotta pick me up off the floor. Seriously. Oh, that was awesome. God was in the place. It's such a sad thing that the success of the church has come down to how the Christians feel. Oh, I encountered God today. I heard from God. I this, I that, and I received my blessing and, and somebody prayed for me and I had a prophetic word and it was great. What about the unchurched that are staying away in their hordes? And they won't come because they don't like what we're giving out. Why don't they like what we're giving out? Because God doesn't like what we're giving out. We're singing the same old songs, doing church the same old way, we're dressing in the same old clothes. 
in every way. Do you get what I'm saying? Guys, there is a cause, there is a purpose, there is a passion, and that is to see your neighbour, your friend, your mother, your father, your kids back in a relationship with the living God. That is what stirs us up, Debbie, Becky, Fred. Sorry, I couldn't remember your name. I hear you're Fred. Well, it wouldn't have been rude to go on, Becky, don't know you, uh, move on. Something's got to stir the body of Christ. Something's got to do it. More than just the the box or the team or the gig. Something's got to stir the body of Christ. People being set free. The opportunities ahead of us. King's kids. You know what stirs me? King's kids who live in less. Less than what Jesus died to give them. That stirs me. What was the word that stirred them up? It was actually the word, I am with you. I'm not my own. God is with me. God's upon me. God's around me. He stirred up the leadership. I'm very aware this is not a pastor's conference or a leader's conference. It's a Sunday morning. But guys, the leaders have got to get it first. It's upside down when a church gets stirred and the leadership stays dead, yeah. upside down. And, and it's, it's a tragic thing when churches are champing at the bit and they're going, oh, but nothing ever happens here. Heaven forbid we ever be in a position where there's more stirred up in the congregation than there is in the leadership. Heaven forbid. What's the point of having a a structure and a system in a church which holds everything back. What's the point of that? We want to be here to blaze a trail and to be an example. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. The people around me, they know. If ever I'm not on par, they can have a word. (coughs) Pastor Jay, come on. But you know what? It's not about the senior pastor. It's... It's about teams in church. It's about all of us in church. He stirred up the leadership. He stirred up the the high priest. He stirred up all the people. We're all in this together. There's got to be a stirring. I believe as a church, you know, Scott Wilson calls us church on steroids. I mean, dear God, we are as stirred up as they come. But don't get content in your stirred upness. And please don't let it just be an emotional fix. We're not about emotional fixes. We're about stirred for purpose in order to make a difference. We're stirred to pray. We're stirred to read our word. We're we're stirred to be believers. We're stirred to make a difference. What does a stirred up uh, leadership mean? Let's go get it. (laughs) Let's go do it. Come on, let's go for it. What does it mean to stir up the high priest in our, in our you know, position? It means when we gather together and, and it means how we do the ministry. It means we're passionate, we're exuberant, we're fired up, we're energetic. It's not, oh God, uh, uh, Lord, I know who you are. Whoa. 
I know who you are. Whoa. Oh, hang on a minute. I've just got to text my mate. Uh, hang on a minute. Uh, Lord, maker, saviour, I know that through it all, you are greater. Your love for me will... Um. Yeah, that's what, uh, uh, those who trust in you will never be ashamed. I know who you are. <laughs> now, I'll be quite honest with you. If you watch me in the first song, I'm down here and I'm sending some texts. Okay? Do you know who I'm talking to? I'm talking to the sound man. That's what I'm talking to. Why? Because we're all here to see something and to hear something. And you better believe I will be all over what is being heard and seen. So that first song, right, Chris? You had about probably half a dozen texts in that first song, yeah? There you go. He's waving his phone. And I can jump and text. I can do it. Come on. So don't you go and say, oh, there you go. He's, he's speaking to his mate. No, I'm not speaking to my mate. I'm doing what leaders do, which is lead, okay? Just, just so you know, I'm on this. Exuberant, fired up. Come on, the Bible says lift your hands. It's time for more expression in Citygate. Is that okay? It's time for more expression. Now I get not everybody can jump. I get that. I get that. I get that. But you can do something. Yeah? I jump, I just, I jump. It's my history as a Bromley punk. <laughs> we used to jump. I went to a gig the other night with Chris and we were right down in the mosh pit, right down at the front. And it was a serious punk band, all right? So this is one I hadn't seen for 35 years. I thought, you know what? Before they all die, they're all on Zimmer frames anyway. <laughs> so I thought, I'm gonna go and see them. So I went down the front and within about 30 seconds, I said to Chris, Let's get out of here. So it's just like, move back. And we move back. I thought, dear God, I can, I can handle the jumping, but they were throwing people around down there. And I just thought, you know what? I got to preach in a couple of days' time. I got to, I got to, you know, so I am not going to injure myself. And we moved back and it was, just, it was just so funny. We had a great time, great fun. But it's time for exuberance. Why? Because that's evidence of being stirred up. It's evidence of being stirred up. I've said what stirs you up and we know we're not just stirred up because we're having a happy time. No, we're stirred up because there's a purpose. We're stirred up because we want the glory of God. Lord, show me your glory. Man, we were singing that this morning. I want my body to do more than my body can do. Have you ever seen Elastigirl? The, you know, it's like, I just want, I want to throw my head at God. I want to, yeah, I want to stretch. Seriously, I want, I want expression out of my life. God, I love you. God, I love you. Why? Because there's got to be evidence of passion. Stirred up. Now, I know I'm Italian. Italians are hot-blooded and romantic. I get that. I understand that. I get that. I understand that we talk with our hands. I get that. But no, seriously, the Bible says rejoice. And that word, you cannot, it is impossible, cannot happen that you rejoice in your heart. Impossible. Cannot 
be done. You rejoice from your heart. Yeah? Is this okay today or is this a little okay? You rejoice from your heart, but to rejoice, they are all words that you do. There are about eight words in Hebrew and a couple in Greek. And what they mean is to spin around under a violent emotion. Half after now, you're always talking about this. No, it's just God wants to stir you about it and he keeps prodding you. <laughs> spin around under a violent emotion. Now, don't hurt yourself, but even if you do, God's a healer. Amen. <laughs> Let's go down fighting. <laughs> Spin around under a violent motion. It means to shout. It means to clap your hands. Oh, well, that's the easy charismatic one to do. You know why it's easier to, uh, to sing songs that we would normally call songs of worship? It's, it, it's, it's far easier because it doesn't demand anything of your flesh. Doesn't demand anything of your flesh. To say, oh God, what a wonderful presence in this place. <sighs> There's no demand on my flesh. But to clap, shout, spin around, jump, run, whatever it is, places a demand on my flesh. This, this is, I haven't got time to preach on praise and worship today. But to rejoice, to spin around under a violent emotion, to, to clap, to sing, to shout, to run, to leap, all of these things. It's what it means. It means to raise your hands. It actually means there's, a, there's this Hebrew word uh, of a guy, Yada, which um, his name came from that. And he was one of the praise leaders for David. And it means to throw out your hands. Come on, guys, let's lift our hands. not demanding anything. Come on, the Bible says your body is a temple. Your life is a living sacrifice. God. Oh no, Pastor Jack, that's a bit emotional for me. What live man? It's an emotional bunch. And yet you're the one shouting and throwing the chair when the football goes in the net. <laughs> Just saying. Stirred up people. What did they get stirred up to do? Let's get the job done. Amen. Exodus 35 and 36, there was this whole thing about the tabernacle had to be built. And it said they all came whose hearts were willing and whose hearts were stirred. Stirred up. Let's have the band back. I've only covered one of the things that I was going to cover today. I was going to cover two things because I said there are two things that are important. And the first one is stirred up. Stirred up on the inside. They were stirred. They were passionate. They were stirred up out of inactivity, out of lethargy, out of apathy. They were stirred up. These people were stirred up for the vision. 2 Timothy 1.5 says, you stir up the gift that is in you. See, in the Old Testament, God stirred it up. New Testament, you stir, you stir yourself up. You stir it up. You stir it up. Come on, stir up, Melfi. Stir it up in there. When I want to give up, stir it up. When I'm feeling weary, stir it up. When the enemy's trying to say you're a loser, stir it up. When other people are criticizing, stir it up. 
when the enemy says you're going to die. Stir it up. When your mind's telling you there's no way out. Stir it up. Stir it up. What are we stirring up? We're stirring up the power of God. We're stirring up the love of God. We're stirring up our sound mind. We're stirring up our thought life. The Bible says, do not neglect the gift that is on the inside of you. I want to say, stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. Stir up your purpose, your passion. Stir up your energy. Stir up your love for people. I saw this fantastic Instagram the other day from one of my good friends, Pastor Dave Gilpin. He said, stop telling me that offence, no, what was it? Stop, it was about um, offence is an emotion. Stop making excuses that offence is, that hurt is an emotion, offence is an emotion when it's a decision or something. And it was like, come on, uh, that didn't work, did it? Stir it up. Stir up who you are, because you're awesome. You're awesome. You're a, a champion. We heard it earlier. You're more than a conqueror. You're a champion. So stir it up. Don't get intimidated by the mountain. Stir it up. Stir up the faith and speak to the mountain. When somebody offends you, stir it up and forgive them. Stir it up and forgive them. Don't, don't live in the hurt. Hurt, we all get hurt. Dear God, we get hurt. The more you want to do, the more you're going to get hurt. Stop making excuses for it and stir up the love of God and stir up forgiveness and stir up the grace of God. Again, I love what somebody else put out on Instagram. When you get hurt on a football pitch, they go, they put you on a stretcher, you're now injured. And then you go to hospital, you're now recovering. It's like there's a progression. You're on the journey. We're here to help you on the journey. We can stand with you, pray with you. We can love on you. We can support you, whatever, but get on a journey. Don't stay on the field. Hello? Stir it up. Come on, let's stand to our feet to someone. Turn to someone, give them a high five and say, stir it up. Come on, look at someone like you believe it. Stir it up. Stir it up. Stir it up. Come on, look at somebody. Look at somebody as though you believe it. Look at somebody as though you believe it and say, stir it up. Come on, look at someone and say, I'm stirred up. Come on, stir it up by faith, out your mouth. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up to take the mountain. I'm stirred up to go up. I'm stirred up to love people. I'm stirred up to see my nation come to Christ. I'm stirred up to forgive those around me. Come on. I'm stirred up to see the glory of God in my generation. I'm stirred up in Jesus' name. I'm stirred up. I'm stirred up. Dear God, I'm stirred up. Are you stirred up? Yeah. We're stirred up in this place. We're stirred up. This is the place to be to get stirred up. This is supposed to be the best hour and a half of our week. Why? Because it stirs us up. It stirs us up to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. It, it stirs us up to lay hands on the sick. It stirs us up to go and love people and do things that other people just don't do by the love of God and the grace of God. It stirs us up. Father, we are so thankful that Your Spirit is in us and Your Spirit is a stirred up spirit. 
God, you're passionate about this world. And we embrace a fresh stirred upness. We embrace it in Jesus' Name. That we will be passionate people. Passionate for the cause of Christ. To love people into the Kingdom. Because Lord, You are good news. You're the best news that there has ever been. That for God so loved this world. Lord, You're the best news and You said You must be born again. Those who are not born again aren't going to spend eternity with You. Those who are born again are going to spend eternity with You. God, this is incredible news. We get stirred up about it today. And we thank You, Lord, for a fresh breath of Your Spirit in Citygate. Lord, we lift up every church in our region, every tribe, every denomination, Catholic, Anglican, Baptist, Methodist. We bless the body of Christ today. And we pray for a great stirring up of the Kingdom of God in our generation. A great stirring up, Lord, of Lord, those who lead, those who serve. We pray for a great stirring up in our nation. That this would be a generation Lord, where many multitudes pour into the Kingdom of God. Lord, because of the passion for the unchurched that there is in the church. Lord, we take our cue from the Salvation Army a hundred years ago who said enough's enough. Come on, let's get out on the streets and let's, and let's play songs they understand and let's speak in a way they can relate to. And let's see a revival take place. Lord God, we, Lord, we take our cue from Lord, the revivalists and the reformers of previous generations who gave their lives for such a cause as this. And we thank You, God, that You work with and confirm Your Word. Working with the church, confirming Your Word through us in Jesus' Name. And right now, as we just are sensitive in this auditorium, Every eye closed, please, in this place. And this is a personal conversation I'm going to have now with each individual person here today. Yes, you're part of a crowd here, but you are very personal to God. And God wants to say to you today, He loves you. He has a plan for your life. He has good things planned for you. He doesn't know, well, He, he knows, I don't know what you've heard about this God that we love and serve. You may have been told He's a religious God and He's caused all the wars on the planet. No, can I say all the wars on the planet are here to destroy mankind, not to bless mankind. And God is a God of blessing. He's a good God. He's a, a God who will cover your shame today. He's a God who will forgive that skeleton in the cupboard. He's a God that when you come to Him, He will in no way cast you away. He's not going to say, who do you think you are? What about this sin and that sin and what you did then and, and that thing that you did and what you said then? God's not going to do any of that. The Bible says when you come to Him with a humble heart and just say, Jesus, come into my life. Jesus, love on me. Forgive me. Jesus, I receive you as my Saviour and my Lord. When you do that, when a person does that, God, He's like a father with a long lost child and He sees you coming from afar off and He runs after you and He says, come back here, put a new robe on you, put a fresh ring on your finger, put, put fresh sandals on your feet. Come on, come and eat a feast with me because you were lost and you are found. You were dead, but now you are alive and God has that for you today.
And if you're here today and you want to come home to God, you want to come home to your heavenly Father who created all the universe that we're just starting to explore. If you've never known this love of God or if it's grown cold in your life and you've become estranged from your Father, I'm going to ask you to do something really bold, really confident. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in this auditorium right now with every eye closed. If you're here today, come on. God bless you. Is there anybody else here today? God bless you. Anybody else? Come on in this place today. Where are you? You want to say yes to Jesus Christ. Last time as I look across this auditorium, is there anybody else here today? Wonderful. Let's all pray this prayer. Say, Heavenly Father, thank You that You love me. Thank You that You've sent Your Son to give me abundant life. Come into my life, Jesus. Thank You for dying for me. I want You to be my Lord, my Saviour and my friend. I turn from living my own way and by the help of Your grace and Your power, I will never be the same again. I'm going to live my life for You. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Come on church, let's shout a shout of praise in this place.